This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Is it a great relief to have the thesis handed in? Um, it actually is. And do you know, it was the uh, anniversary of my dad's passing on Sunday, and I sat down and reflected on my dad, and, and I've written a lot about him in my thesis because he was a huge inspiration in my life. Uh, and... Um, I just thought how proud he would be to see it finally done. And, and I'll get to carry his ashes across the stage when I get capped with my doctorate hat thing. And then we um, get to take him to his final resting place. So it's just a whole bunch of awesomeness happened this weekend. So good. That, Thank you, Sam. That is pretty exciting. And who are we talking with today? Speaking of exciting, <laughs> I'm... Um, <laughs> Actually, was um, on the weekend because I wasn't really doing anything, no writing at all. Um, I just sort of caught up on on interesting people and interesting things and came across Tim Tepini. And Tim, you are amazing. And your warrior kids is amazing. And what a cool uh, life story you've got. And it's a real pleasure to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be a part of this. Kiora, Tim, how was your bubble life, Tim? Uh, well, bubble life was very interesting. Um, a lot of writing, a lot of writing. And, yeah, being at home and looking after my two teenage kids, of course. My partner is was an essential worker, so she was working. She went off every day to um, work in a supermarket selling fruit and vegetables and so on. So. Yeah, so that was good. That was very good for us. Otherwise, we, you know, we would have been in a bit of trouble there financially. Um, yeah. Where are you? Ra- Ranui. Ranui in West Auckland. West Auckland. Yeah. Yeah, up here in the west. But, so two teenagers in the house and you writing. Did you manage to find space yeah. to, to do that? Yeah, we, we do have some space. Uh, we've got a, a, a space that I use to run my program called Warrior Kids. And uh, so that's just behind our home. It's um, a, a studio. Well, it was a garage turned into a studio, a very large one, though, in saying that. And so that was a bit of space we were able to use during that time because, of course, I was not running any classes for children. What were you writing? Ah, wow, that was uh, White Mokul was the big one that I was doing at that time. Yeah, I've got it right here. Uh, so I was finishing this off. And that is a story uh, about my life. White Mokul, I was, as a as a baby, I was taken into a, a Māori whānau, Waitaitipine, and I was adopted. And not only adopted, legally adopted, but my mum also married in. So it went both ways. And uh, so on my birth, my birth certificate was changed, brand new birth certificate. And uh, my last name became Tipene. And yeah, so that's where I came from. So this is about my life. And there was a lot of violence and abuse when I was growing up that I, I went through. It was um, cycles of it through, through my family. For my mum and my dad, especially, they had been through quite a bit, and that had carried on through to me, and so it was rather challenging. 
So this is a story about all that and, and how I found my way through it. White Moko, of course, that's what my grandparents, how they referred to me. I was their white Moko. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. I was madly trying to put all that together. And uh, yeah, it just never seemed to end. <laughs> so at the you start know. of at the start of lockdown, I rushed out and bought some varnish because the um, I thought I could spend the lockdown revarnishing the windowsills, and it didn't happen. Right. So right. I'm and I'm I'm quite okay with that. But you have you have actually published a book during during that that period. You, you've got something solid to show for it. Well done. Yeah, well, it was all through the editing stage, so it was yeah, it was ongoing, ongoing. Quite stressful at times, but at least I had lockdown to do it. And so, yeah. so tell me about warrior. Was an intense. It was an intense time, actually. You know, being being in lockdown was really intense. Uh, trying to cram it all in because, of course, the publishers kept giving me deadlines, and we kept trying to have to change those because I wasn't reaching it. But we got there in the end. And you were talking with them remotely, whereas you perhaps would have gone and had a coffee with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of emailing, a lot of emailing going on. And yeah, they were trying to convey their, how they were seeing it to me, and I was trying to convey it back. And we have a lot of not misunderstandings, that's for sure. But we got there in the end. So tell me about Warrior Kids. So Warrior Kids is a program that I created in 1994. So I, at an early age, I got to do martial arts. And living in a home where there was a lot of violence and abuse, the martial arts proved to be quite a lifesaver for me. It helped me to gain self-control. And it was a great outlet physically, you know. So I was traumatized. And it was an outlet for that trauma. So I could physically uh, be with it. And that's where my development in terms of addressing and breaking the cycle really started to happen and it was at such a young age 12 years of age when I finally got a chance to do it and then uh, so later on when when I became a teacher of martial arts I started having children coming to my class who were dealing with some very large issues and at that time for myself personally I was uh, the trauma was just too much I, I thought that all I had to do was want to be different from my parents, and that would be it. But it turned out that wasn't the case. I had all these nightmares and that going on and this trauma that I was trying to deal with. I was hypervigilant all the time. And so I needed to go off and get some help, and I took myself off to anger management and so on. And uh, through that process, I started to apply some of that other learning to my classes. So I went off to Unitech and so on and did, you know, started to train how to be a counselor and so on. And I started to bring that into my class. And the kids started to present issues. So, you know, we had one family there. At one point they turned up and they had just been in the midst of running away from dad because he was uh, outside the house with a gun. Uh, and so there were kids presenting issues, like I said. And, and, in another case, a boy turned up and he had walked into the garage and found his dad hanging from the rafters. So I took it away from just martial arts to being quite a therapeutic process. And even with the martial arts, it became more about body uh, motor skills and really working with the trauma through the body, but then adding into that anger management and you know emotional intelligence, if you like, and with light counselling, times of sharing, a real supportive group and helping children. So it became all about self-control and social skills and helping children to deal with these things that they were dealing with in life. In a way, I was saving myself as a child, or trying to, and uh, ended up helping a lot of other kids. And uh, so Worry Kids is still going. I'm still doing it. So 27 years now, and uh, yeah, it's been a long time. But, um, yeah, it's great. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Herb's uh, Air Papa. Why this one? 
Uh, it's a reminder of my childhood. It's a white I know well, and uh, I, I hear it a lot. And I love the uh, rendition of it. It's, it's beautiful. Hey, Papa, to put it all out there in a book you know that the trauma the i mean the, we do these things because we want other people to know that they're not alone and feeling the way that they feel but what kept you going when because when you're having to write it you're living it again what kept you going through that well a few years ago i had to return to therapy for myself psychotherapy and um it would have been about 2015 and started doing the what is it called that eye rapid eye movement therapy which which was great and uh certainly really helpful and and medr is it or edmr or something like that i can't remember i can't remember Rap exactly. rapid eye movement therapy or something like that it's so funny that just popped up in my book list today and i yes. just learned technique myself it's so good yes so and that's been the core part of my therapy this time which has been great um but of course during lockdown i wasn't able to go to my my therapy sessions and um so we, we tried to do it remotely didn't didn't really work for me it wasn't wasn't working um so that made it harder and even more intense <laughs> as you said you know i was re-going through it again but in saying that i've been through it a lot over the years and so i was able to get through i, I think in my hair probably went more gray though during that time and uh yeah there's some pretty intense tense days and having to relook at some of the stuff and there was aspects of my abuse that i had avoided such as the sexual abuse that was um you know it was a that was a bit challenging and yeah so during that during that uh, time of writing, yeah, it was pretty intense. I haven't read your book yet. I've read about it, but I haven't read it. And um, I'm, my, I've got a Kindle list that I'm working through, and your book is hopefully going to be on. Is it on Kindle now? Can you get uh, it on Kindle? I, I believe so. Cool. Like okay, so. well, I will add it to my Kindle <laughs> list. But um, it is... Um, what do you think people will gain most from it? What do you hope people will mostly gain from it? And regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what you've been through, you can still find a way through. That it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be over. A big focus in the book is 
is how I was perceived as a child and how I was led to believe that I was a rotten kid, that nothing good would come of me. My father, biological father, was a convicted uh, sex offender and um, he spent most of his life in prison for hurting women and children. And from a very young age, my mother informed me that I was going to end up exactly like him, that there was nothing I could do to change that. And I went out of my way to convince her that uh, that was not me, that I would not be a monster. And you've got to understand, from my mum's point of view, I was the outcome of rape. And mm. so me and my mum never had a close relationship. And, you know, she still carries the hurt, and she was badly hurt in her life. And I love my mum. You know, I just, I love my mum. But um, we've never had a close relationship. And I understand that. I understand that. And... So, so I was brought up believing that I would end up in prison, that there was nothing I could do about it, that this was just the way it was going to be. And, well, it's not so. I changed it. So that's what I would like people to take from it, regardless of what's put on us when we're young and when we're, we're children, that we can break these cycles, that we can be different. You know, I proved my mum wrong. I proved all those adults in my past wrong. And uh, that's not me. That's not me. Is that is that a core message for the the kids you're working with with Warrior Kids? And you've written is it ten children's books? Uh, thirteen now. Well, so it, books, but, um, is that a core message that they that things can get better, but it's just not going to do it by itself? You, you, there's something about taking action or doing something, even if you're yeah. a little kid. Yeah, um, the, the, the white moko is really targeting, it's for adults. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of men in that that have same, well, a lot of adults that have the uh, same sort of story as me out there in our society, sadly. So it's a reminder to them too that um, it doesn't have to stop here. Get help and start the journey. And uh, yeah, but the big thing is for getting help and not, not giving up, keep pushing through. Uh, and yes, that's, Message is definitely echoed always in, in warrior kids, you know. Yeah. I mean, I have children. I've had children in the past try to dismiss things I've said, you know. Oh, what would you know? You know, my dad's in prison is what they've said to me. And I've been able to turn around to them and said, yeah, well, my dad spent all his life in prison. I'm not going anywhere near the place. And uh, so that woke them up a bit, you know. I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. So. The theme of our show is positive but not deluded. How do you position yourself on that kind of, is it a continuum, that that kind of position? Positive but not deluded. You know, I, I'm a man of miracles, really. That's how I see myself. <laughs> I'm a man of miracles. I mean, people thought I would be dead by now. And uh, and I, I surprised myself that I'm still here, just with the violence and the abuse. And, uh, you know, it got really dark at times, really dark. And and it was I put a post out yesterday that's had a bit of attention, and it's about my relationship. You know, me and my, my partner, we got together. It was beautiful. It was lovely. It was romantic. And, um, you know, she was working in a Chinese takeaway, and I turned up to make an order, and our eyes met. And... Uh, they kept meeting, and from there we ended up dating and got close and uh, ended up having two children. However, because of my past, things always got in the way, and the trauma was still there. It was still still a big part of me. So it ended up that we didn't last the distance. We broke up. It was pretty messy. We didn't hurt each other and, and, uh, and abuse or anything like that. My home has always been safe. Um, but we still, we broke up. Then, uh, so I, was, I became a single parent for over eight years, which was, wow, what an experience that was. And I was dreading being a parent because I thought I was going to make the same mistakes, that I would hurt my kids, that I wasn't good enough. Which, funnily enough, funnily enough my partner was feeling as well. And uh, so, but I did it. I did it. I looked after my kids and, and I did it. And I got two lovely, beautiful kids. They've never been smacked. They're just wonderful. And then eight 
after eight years or doing that for eight years, I say suddenly came to the realization through therapy and that, of course, that my partner loved me, that she loved me, and that I had pushed her away and not been able to accept that I was lovable and that I deserved it. I felt unworthy. And so I just opened the door, and I mean physically opened the door to, to our house and um, encouraged her and invited her in. And over time, we just naturally fell back together. There was no effort. It was really too easy. It was amazing. It was, we just fell back together. I mean, that's a miracle. That's, so in terms of positive or uh, deluded, wow. You know, for me, that's my life's full of these beautiful moments. Where I did it. I got through, and uh, yeah, I've got a wonderful family, a safe home. Very lucky. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mi aroha nui ki a koutou, ko Hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universe. Really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. Now, I know that for all of us, this last more than a year has been so hard. We've had to learn so many new skills, so many parts of ourselves that we have never met before have had to come forward. So many parts of ourselves, maybe that had been forgotten, have had to come forward too. I think it's important to acknowledge how well we've all done and continue to do here in Aotearoa as the dream team of 5 million, but indeed all around the world. Here, of course, we're able to frolic about in relative freedom. The rest of the world, as we know, is having a harder time. And I hope that for you, whatever's happening for you right now, you're able to draw some comfort and support from those around you and from yourself. I feel so grateful to be able to work with young people with children and this enables me of course to connect with my inner child and that sense of openness and wonder that sense of awe that sense of appreciation and gratitude for life for the world the magic of the world the beauty of the world how lucky we are to be here together to be alive to be able to experience all of these treasures that surround us I'm looking out my window right now in Aotearoa, Dunedin, and I can see all the way to the sea. I can see White Island, this little tiny island, all the waves surrounding it, washing up against it. And of course, this got me thinking that at times we can feel alone, we can feel battered by a stormy sea. But in fact, this aloneness, this sense of aloneness, is part of us asking us, to pay attention and to give our focus and give our consciousness the opportunity to tune in more with the experience that we're currently having. If we can take a step back and see that the ocean around us is teeming with life, that the tip of the island connects to a much larger underwater mountain, and of course we are never alone, we're connected to all life in an infinite web, and alongside this life we are co-evolving. As I talk to you, I'm enjoying some time to myself. Harvey Penfold is still asleep in his dreamland. And I'm enjoying the opportunity to just connect with my own energy, my own space. So I hope that for you, you're having the opportunity to enjoy these different states of being. A sense of oneness with all life and a sense of your own individuality. I also hope that inner child is having the opportunity to come forward and explore and enjoy and relish the new enjoy honoring the old and treasuring the memories that you're making every day i'm so grateful for these five minutes with you thank you to sam and the whole blown bubbles team for having me i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much kakiti 
You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We are talking with Tim Tippinay. Tim, with Warrior Kids, it's which has got a um, a martial arts basis to it, but you're not teaching kids to. It's, it's not about the. It's, it's not about physical violence, is it? It's not. A, it's 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 more nuanced than that about mastery of of themselves. Yeah, mastering the self. And and the way I put it is they're taught techniques of de-escalation and containment. De-escalation and containment. The children that come to me, they already know how to fight. They already know how to hurt people. So it's about um, showing them how we can solve our problems without doing that. At the same time, the parents come, the caregivers come. They sit on the side and they participate in the class. They're a part of it. So it's teaching everybody techniques of how we can solve our problems without lecturing it. Yeah, that, that's a key part. Uh, you know, we don't we don't need all that. It's, I've proven it. I've worked security, and and you know, and I've had to come from a very angry home, especially with my dad. You know, it was a time there where I was a teenager. It was one night in particular. I was I was going to kill him. I was going to put an end to him. He'd come home and been uh, he'd smashed all my stuff and. He was threatening me, so I stayed up that night and I had a knife in my hand and I was waiting for him to go to sleep. He seemed to know that something was up because he didn't go to sleep. He kept his light on and he stayed up. And in that time while I was waiting, I started thinking about, well, actually, I I don't want to ruin my life. I want a good future. I don't want to, uh, you know, lose it all. And so I'm glad that I didn't go through it. A few years later, he challenged me again. And so I, I was in this position of, of wanting to do better, wanting to be better. And so I was able to handle him without hurting him and without him hurting me. And I did it in a very loving and caring way. And a very firm way, though, too. With no, you know, no cussing or anything, but just really firmly let him know that there's no more of that. It stops here. It's done. I'm not going to hurt you, and you're certainly not going to hurt me. And and that that was it it was the shift and uh, I'm glad I did that of course that angered him even more because as far as he was concerned I thought I was better than him (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying to do better um, is that something about a a notion of a, a peaceful warrior is that a thing very much so very much yeah well, in some ways, the truest sense of a warrior, for me, from my upbringing, from my childhood, you know, um, we, we spoke of Tor, and uh, the term Tor, of course, has so many meanings. It's not just warrior, it's champion. Um, you know, it speaks about someone who excels. and But also the, even the concept of, of it was more about serving your people Standing up and serving your people and, and doing the right thing by your people, not not going around hurting people. You know, it was part of being a member of the Fano and standing strong and looking after each other. And so that's really what I bring into Warrior Kids. So there's a lot of Tao Māori in there, if you like. That that was my upbringing, Manakitanga and all that. You know, Fakafanangatanga. Do you have to have a rich imagination to do the work that you're doing? And I'm, I'm thinking about engaging little kids. I've, I've been watching some of the, the videos that you've been, you know, do at, at schools and things, and you you have the knack of holding a a whole classroom or assembly room of kids in the palm of your hand through great storytelling. Yeah. Well, the thing was, you see, I was one of these kids at school that would never sit still. I was always in trouble. I mean, I got kicked out of school. The high school in the end, they just kicked me out, sent me home. <laughs> but anyway, so I was one of these kids who could never sit still. So I knew what it was like to have someone up the front just droning on. So I, when I when I started going into schools, I kept thinking about me and my mates and the sort of kids we were. And I thought, well, how am I going to grab them? You know, what what would have grabbed me at school? So I, I'm there to entertain. <laughs> that's how I've, I've worked it out I'm there to entertain and if I can keep their attention for that time then then I've done it keep them interested keep them in there you know it's about the listener it's not about me eh? you know it's like writing your books 
it's about the audience it's not about the writing it's trying to keep the people in there and every kid knows a teacher that they think is a, a scary battleship Oh, but but turns out to but turns yeah. out to be a sweetie that really cares about you. <laughs> yeah, there it is, Mrs. Battleship. Yeah, and she passed. She oh, passed. No. So yeah, she passed. Um, oh, I think it was might have been the start of this year. Might have been towards the end of last year. I'm not sure, but it was a funeral that we could all go to. So uh, so that was nice. She passed, but she got to see the book, and uh, we got to talk about it and that, and that, that was lovely. Yeah. She was wonderful. She did was she like the book? Strong. Yeah, she did. She did. She thought I was pretty cheeky, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think she was very proud, actually, very proud. And so were her friends. They were very proud of it. So it's wonderful that I could do that. You know, I was so scared of her. She was known as the battleship. Her name was Mrs. Battersby, but all the kids called her battleship. And yet, the year I got her, that was her last year, and she gave me nothing but love and support. And uh, she was so proud that I became an author. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Like Water by Lady Six. Why this one? Oh, I just love it. So, I don't know. She did such a good job with this, I feel. It's, she's a clever girl and, uh, and filmed up around here. So, yeah. hang her at the lake. seen lots of changes in society over the the time of the pandemic what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick 
there was a big talk there was a lot of talk about being kind i don't know if it's sticking i'd like to think it would but it was certainly a lovely message to hand out there being kind i think we should keep going with that message <laughs> that would be lovely the self-care stuff too was very big during then like to see that continuing as well self-care being kind yeah i think we initially thought that be kind meant to be kind to your neighbors and it does mean that but i think later yeah. later we realize it's also about being kind to ourselves yes yeah yes lovely message and you know it'd be nice to have that all out there all the time being promoted you know encouraged and, but why do you think it took a pandemic for that to become the the thing? Isn't it something we should have been doing already? I totally, yes, totally, totally. I mean, you know, with my whole worry kids and that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, anger management should be uh, part of every child's school life. Emotional intelligence should be part of every child's school life, that it should be uh, a clear part of the curriculum and, and being taught, not like it is now. It's pretty haphazard and 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 social skills more relationship stuff being taught in schools so that we can start addressing you know i'm very much into preventive prevention and uh, we can start ad addressing a lot of our issues especially our shocking domestic violence and uh, child abuse and suicide you know the list goes on and we can be addressing those right now through the, working with the young ones and helping them to cope with life we have always doing it at the back end and we're always trying to catch our tail and it's not working it's not working do you think we can learn anything from the pandemic and how we've responded to the pandemic for those bigger sorts of questions the things that we can't fix by staying at home for a few weeks i'm thinking climate change and, and social inequity the violence but it's the yeah, stuff that the we can yeah, is the stuff that we can learn from how that how we've responded for those things? Well, the climate change, yeah, look at that. The impact was brilliant. I mean, you know, we all stay home <laughs> quiet. And the earth had a bit of time to breathe. It was lovely, you know. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of learning in all those aspects from that, you know. It's, yeah. There's probably something in it about that peacefulness as well and that 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 realizing that we're in control that maybe we don't need to be destroying the planet yes yeah yeah and that we can work more from home and stuff and all that came out and it's great tim you do lots of talks in in schools do you do you get surprised by the responses you get when you're going to what what, what sort of response do you get from the kids um well yeah uh, typically very positive typically very positive so you know and, and it's wonderful and um a lot of laughter in that the kids are not always sure what to expect when they see me um so yeah again get them laughing get some very interesting questions of course <laughs> yeah how does it how do you advertise it like what, what what's the message that the kids get going in that's up to the school so normally what happens is the school will uh there's different ways it comes about so there's either duffy books and homes i go through them otherwise um, there's a group up here getting kids into books there's another organization that does it that i work through and uh, then there's the what was new zealand book council and now the new zealand read i believe and uh, they also organize events so it's always different ways and and yeah they, in that case, I was, uh, well, in a lot of cases, a master come in because of this certain behaviour going on at the school and they want uh, things addressed or because they want to be able to show kids that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you still have a choice of where you're heading. So, I mean, I was kicked out of school. I, when I was kicked out of school, I could not recite the alphabet from A to Z. I did not know my times tables and I could not tell the time on analog clocks. Now, sometimes children think that's because I wasn't clever, but the fact is it was because I was traumatized. As soon as I got a, a, away from school, got away from home, I started to realize I actually, given the space, I'm quite clever. And uh, yeah, well, 
award-winning author and so on. So, yeah, it all worked out. <laughs> but so for kids to hear that, they realise that it's not the end. You know, they may not be doing so well. Things might be up and down, but that's not the end. There's still a chance. Mm. I suspect that there isn't a single answer to this question because it probably isn't a silver bullet, but it, you, you talk about small acts having big impacts. Is there, a, is there some headline small acts that, that we should be focusing on? Headlines, small acts, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Is, is, is the two or three things that we should all be practising? The kindness. I think definitely the kindness. You know, I had those teachers at school who just, some teachers weren't nice to me at all. I was regarded as one of the tippany kids and we weren't always treated very nicely. And uh, But then you had these, some teachers, they were just lovely. You know, and, and there was one incident where, we were invited around. We went, you know, we went to church when I was young. One time we traveled to Rotorua. We went to the church there, and after the church, we were invited back to these people's house. Now, I never saw them again after this. We went around for lunch, and the woman seemed to know about, the woman of the house seemed to know about our family. And she started making a special uh, allowance for me, and it was very noticeable. And in some ways, it was in opposition to my mum. So, for example, we went into the house. They had a very nice house, and they had a little Tommy train set. I was about the age of 10. This family had a little one who was sleeping. I just hopped on the ground and started playing with the Tommy train set. My mum said, you're too young, you know, too old for that. Don't, don't play with that. And so the mum of the house disappeared. She came back with a big basket full of more of the Tommy train set. She tipped it out on the ground in front of me and she said to me, Tom, I want you to cover the lounge and, and, and a train set. So for me, I was like, you know, I looked at my mum and I looked at this lady and went, well, I've got a job to do. <laughs> so off I went and did the job. Then at the dinner table, she kept doing it. She wouldn't stop. Then at the dinner table, she made this beautiful coffee ice cream, homemade coffee ice cream. This is where I got my love of coffee. It was just superb. And I just loved it. And uh, I asked, you know, for more. And my mum reached under the table and pinched me. And, you know, it was like, my, my coat. And so the lady said, oh, do you want some more, Tim? And I said, no, no, it's okay. It's all right. No, thank you. Well, she went off into the kitchen, came back with this bowl and said, um, Tim, it would really help if you could finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much left. And I'm telling you, there was a lot left. She handed me the bowl with the spoon. I looked at my mum and thought, well, I've got a job to do. And I just ate it. And she was just so nice to me. And I've never forgotten it. When we left the house, my mother was furious. She was so angry. We got a little bit up the road and she starts bad-mouthing this mum, you know, all this colourful colour, all language coming out, how bad this woman was. But I never forgot it, ever. Like now, look, I can still, I'm still there in that house. And that was a, a moment of kindness. And it really contradicted how my mum saw me and how she treated me and how my family treated me. And that contradiction stayed. See, that was that kindness, and it stayed. It said to me, there's more to this. It's, it's not just black and white. I'm not just rotten kid. There's something more going on here. People are seeing something else in me. And, uh, and, and I grabbed those moments. I grabbed them. And ever since, I've had a love for coffee and train sets. <laughs> <laughs> Still go. Tim, I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Getting my family back together. Me and my partner and our two kids. It, it, we were able to bring that back together. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are most definitely in that team. What's your superpower? Love. Love. Given to me by my my uh, my father. I mean, that Māori family, they took me in and they made me their own. You know, just such love. Aroha. And I tried to continue that tradition. When these kids come to me, it's love. In the end of the day, you know, I had one boy just recently come in, 
so traumatized. We started the class, he just burst into tears. And I went over and just hugged him. And that was it. From then on, you know, he just, he loves it. He loves it. He just wants to come to the classes all the time. He doesn't want to stop. So love would be the big one. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. Yeah, I would. Definitely. In, in terms of giving that love and by doing the program, Warrior Kids, it's not funded. You know, I, I've just gone and done it and to prove a point in some ways, you know, a bit of anger there. That society for how I was treated as a kid. It's sort of like, well, this is how you do it. This is how I'm doing it. I'm not, you know, don't require your help. So you know, just go ahead and do it. So what motivates you to do that? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, to begin with, it was that child in me that, you know, I, I became the hero that I wanted when I was a kid. That was the idea. It was like, I'm, I'm going to be the hero for other kids that I wanted when I was a kid. And the hero that I never got. And so that's how it started. And that's what's kept me going. And now, well, just too old to do anything else. <laughs> but, but, but in saying that, I still do it because of really those feelings are still there. And um, a bit more, a bit more sorted out, though, I would say, a bit more, you know, you were saying, not, not so deluded, <laughs> more with, you know, the, the genuine, sincere, positive on that superpower question on that superpower question quite a few people object to the not just the superpower on this one or they, they say things about laser eyes or flying but the notion of the the hero that it's not about being the, the the hero that stands up but you've just given us the most compelling answer ever for why you do need to be a hero sometimes oh definitely you know these kids are coming along and They've not necessarily seen a man like me who's dealing with, uh, who tries to deal with his emotions in a constructive way, who does deal with his emotions in a constructive way. It's so important for them to see that, and it becomes, you know, yeah, it's, it's important. I think we all need heroes. I know for my, when I was a kid, I had my heroes. They wouldn't consider themselves heroes as well, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for humility. And, um, you know, those teachers and that woman that looked after me that for that lunch. What a hero. For me, what a hero. Just wow. You know, I think it's about appreciation as well, isn't it? What is the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Oh, that's a big question. Hmm. Biggest challenge. Uh, I've got... Um, a couple of books on the way so i've got to get that off i've got to polish that but also helping my kids through their studies so my son you know he's, he's 15 year 15 now so year 11 so that's quite a tough year i remember that year for myself his schooling experience is very different from mine <laughs> and uh talia of course is uh she's year nine Yes, she's just nodding at me. She's just across the table. <laughs> she's nodding. I get confused, you know. I'm still Form 1, Form 2, Form 3. And so. Um, so, yeah, helping them through their school year uh, and, and into next year as well. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Be kind. Be gentle. Be gentle. And, um, yeah, aspire and, and live purpose. Aspire and live purpose. Very fulfilling. Thank you for that. Mawira. Tim, um, it's an extraordinary thing that you do. And the impact of it is so incredibly difficult to measure as we just talked about off air before you know you don't know the lives that you touch um in the funniest ways and uh thank you for everything that you do for all the lives that you touch of these kids who are carrying secrets and burdens and fears and pain and suffering and all of those things that that people of, often don't even know about 
and uh, but you know and they know you know and thank you for giving them some tools and strategies on how to be able to move on with their lives and being such a good role model kia ora kia ora thank you very much thank you This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.